Good morning. Y'all can be seated. Ooh, now I'm on fire. I love that song. He has turned my sorrow, my mourning into dancing. That's awesome. All right, well, I want to welcome everyone here today. I know we've got a lot of people who are out of town due to spring break. Probably for a lot of people, they're going to be coming in today. Uh, so we miss them, but just grateful to see those of you who are here today and want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online for our worship as well. Before we get into our lesson today, I want to reemphasize that next Sunday is our Mission Sunday. As far as I know, this is the first time we've ever done something like this. And so after our worship next Sunday, we're going to have booths or tables set up where you can go and look at all the different missions that we have going on here at Central. And you can talk to all the group leaders that are over those particular chosen missions. And you can talk to them and find out more and find out how you can get plugged in and involved and, you know, pray for some of these missions that we have going on as well. So I'm excited about that. I hope you get excited. hope you come back next week and you stay for our Mission Sunday. And then after that, we're going to have a potluck lunch. And I know how much y'all love to eat. So I'm, I'm counting on a lot of people who are going to stay for that as well. All right, so right now we're in a series for the last couple of weeks, actually, on the heart of God. And if you've missed any of this series, just know you can check out our church Facebook page. We also have a church website. We also have a podcast you can listen to as you're going down the road. But I just want to encourage you to go back if you've missed any of these lessons and catch up to where we're going to be taking off from today. We're actually going to conclude our series today. And, and I know that there's so many other things that are so important to God. But we're going to conclude with this today. We're, we're going to conclude with, with joy. I feel like joy is something that is so important to God. Uh, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever played the game of life? Okay, the majority of you have. It's kind of an interesting game, isn't it? I mean, in the game of life, you can go to school, college, in the game of life, you can get a speeding ticket. In the game of life, you can go on a job search. In the game of life, you can get fired from your job. In the game of life, you can get married. And you can actually land on a space to where you will start to have kids. In the game of life, you can buy a house and buy homeowner's insurance. In the game of life, you can pay taxes and you can also build up your retirement fund. You can, you can buy stocks. But, but anyway, here's the question. How does the game end? How do you win in the game of life? I'm just going to read for you the actual instructions given by the Hasbro company who created the game. When you've reached the end of the game, you must choose whether to retire at millionaire estates or countryside acres. If you retire at millionaire estates, you have a chance to receive four additional life tiles if you're the richest person to retire there. 
At the end of the game, all players repay their loans, add up their life tiles and money, and the player with the most money wins the game. Does that sound very familiar? Sounds like the American dream, right? But, but how many of you have ever thought to yourself, surely, surely there's got to be more to life than life? Right? And, and here's the good news. There is. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the white church and have it to the full. The one who is fully alive says, I want every single one of you to be absolutely full of life. I want your life to be so much more than just mirroring some silly board game. I want your life to overflow with purpose and passion and kindness and gentleness and generosity and joy. Did you realize that? God wants you to have joy. In fact, Jesus says, I came to give you life so that you would be absolutely Full of it. Right before Jesus was to be arrested and go to the cross, he's talking to his disciples and he tells them, Listen, he says, I want you to remember to do all the things that I've told you to do. I want you to remember to keep my commandments. But he said, I also want you to remember just how much I love you. And I want you to have that same love that I had for you, that you saw in me. I want you to have that same love for each other. And then he goes on to say in John chapter 15 verse 11, he says, I told you this so that you may what? You may have joy, right? So that my joy may be in you and that you're what? Your joy may be complete. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to be known as people who are full of joy. Let me ask you a question this morning, and I want you to take a moment, and I want you to just really think about this. What are you known for? What are you known for? Everybody's known for something, right? Man, that guy can really crush a golf ball. Or man, that girl can really hit a tennis ball. Or, or man, that young lady makes the best cookies. Or, or that, that young man just absolutely has a beautiful singing voice. Or, or that guy, man, he can fix anything in your house. Or in my case, that guy, he can break anything in your house. What are you known for? Everybody's known for something. Now think about this. Would you be known for joy? 
I mean, when others think about you, when others talk about you, do they say, man, that individual, they just always have a smile on their face. They, they don't complain and, and they don't gripe and they have such a positive outlook on life and they're always smiling and, and they're always laughing. Is that how others would talk about you? Would you be known for living out this joy-filled life? That's the question I really wrestled with this week. And man, as I thought about it, I really didn't like the conclusion that I came to. Because there have been times when that didn't describe me. Do people watch your life and think, man, whatever he's got, whatever she's got, I want some of that. Someone once said, I thought this was really good, attitudes are contagious, is yours worth catching? That's a pretty good question. Now, I'm not talking about a fake, put on a smile, act like everything is great in your life kind of attitude, but I'm talking about a genuine joy that runs deep within you. No matter what the circumstances. If you got your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Philippians. If you don't know anything about the book of Philippians, that's okay. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background information. Philippians is actually a letter that was written to the church at Philippi. It was written by a guy by the name of Paul. And really, he's writing to a group of people who are new in their walk with Jesus. And if you've never read this book, I want to encourage you to to read all the way through it. It won't take you long. It's a very, very short book, a very short letter. But let's notice a few verses. Notice what Paul says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, always be white church, always be full of joy in the Lord I say it again, rejoice. Now, here's what I want us to do this morning. I I want us to say the underlying portion together on the count of three. I mean, just, just let it out. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Always be full of joy, right? We need to remember that. That you and I as Christians, we're always to be full of joy. You see, here's what we learn from this particular passage from Paul. Joy is a command. Did you realize that? It's a happy command. But nonetheless, it's a command. In fact, it's written in what's called the imperative. And, And so it's not a mere suggestion. In other words, this is something that is important. This is something that really needs to happen. Just as Paul says, listen, don't lie and don't steal and and make sure that you don't have sexual relations outside the marriage bed. Paul also says, always be full of joy. It's a command. And then he does something that's not done anywhere else in Scripture. He says, let me repeat myself. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. 
I mean, as you search the scriptures, nowhere do you find Paul saying, listen, don't steal. And, and let me just reiterate that. Let me just say it again because this is so important. Don't steal. And you never see him saying, don't lie. Let, let me say that again. Let me reiterate it. Don't lie. No, this is the only place where he does this. So choosing joy must be really important to God, right? Who came to give us life. And before you say, yeah, well, that's easy for Paul to say. I mean, he doesn't know all the things that I'm going through in life. Just know that Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, wrote it from prison. And this wasn't your typical prison. It was a hole in the wall. And he was far from home and he was far from friends and he was far from five guys and firehouse subs and Pizza Hut pizza. He was in prison. And he was chained to different guards every day. And he says, listen to me guys, God wants you to choose joy. And just in case you're shaking your head as you read what I've written, hang on, let me kick this rat out of my way and say it again. Choose joy. All the other options, bitterness, envy, irritability, negativity, cynicism, anxiety, they may be okay for some people, but not for you. Not for followers of Jesus. Because Jesus came and He died and He rose so that you and I, we could absolutely be full of it. But here's the deal. This is one command that we really don't confront each other about, do we? Right? This is, this is one command that we, we really don't challenge people on. I mean, we, you know, on occasion might uh, grab a close friend and say, man, I'm really struggling with my temper. Could, could you give me some accountability here? Could you check on me? Or, or we may say to some people in our small group, hey, could you walk? Walk with me as I try and recover from my alcoholism or from my pornography struggle. But I have never heard anyone say, Hey, do you think you could hold me accountable to living with joy? And I think we should. Because just to be honest, there's way too many Christians walking around who look like they've been baptized in vinegar. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. They never smile. They've got a scowl on their face and they're always mad about something going on in the church and their job or the government and they're constantly posting negative stuff on social, social media about it. They have absolutely no joy. I'll never forget, several years ago, I went to visit a lady, an elderly lady in the hospital and they were doing some rehab on her, and her therapist was in there when I walked in. And, and so she introduced me to her therapist as a minister. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, huh, he said, you don't look like a minister. And I kind of thought that was funny. And, and so I looked at him, and I just asked him, I said, well, what does a minister look like? And this was his truthful answer. He said, well, the ones who come in here are never smiling. 
Isn't that sad? It's not just ministers. Heard about a guy who, a Christian guy who went to a restaurant. See if you can relate to this. Went to a Christian restaurant, waitress came to the table, he ordered a steak. Waitress brings out a steak. He cuts into it and realizes that it's too pink. And so as she's walking away, he says, Hey, 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 come on, come back over here. And so the waitress comes over here and he goes, My steak isn't done. And she said, I'm so sorry. She said, Let me have that. I'll, I'll take it back and I'll get him to cook it a little bit longer. And so anyway, she goes back with the steak and then she comes back, puts it at the, the table, and, and the guy looks at it and he goes, Now it's too done. And she goes, I, I am so sorry. She goes, i tell you what, I'll get you a brand new steak. And so anyway, off to the kitchen she goes, and she comes back with a brand new steak. And she says, sir, if you would, just go ahead and cut into that steak while I'm standing here to see if it's to your liking. And so anyway, he cuts into the steak, and he goes, yeah, it looks okay. And so anyway, he starts to cut into his baked potato, and there was a little bitty black spot in the, in the baked potato. Well, she had started to walk away, and he goes, hey, 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 come back over here. And so the waitress comes running back, and he says, look at this. He says, my potato's even bad. To which the waitress picked up his potato and went, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> and put it right back on his plate and said, listen, if that potato gives you any more trouble, you just let me know. And the guy was so embarrassed, he didn't say another word. <laughs> but as Christians, that shouldn't happen, and I've been guilty of that. But we hear stuff like that, and we say, well, I'd be nicer, I'd be kinder, I would be a lot friendlier, I, I, I would probably have a better attitude, but my life is so hard. I mean, you don't, you don't know the things that I've gone through. You don't know how bad I have it, and that may be true, but I also know that this is true. Jesus died to set you free. And He walks with you. And He rose from the dead to give you a home with Him in heaven. And He lives in you so that you can have a deep joy even in the middle of your pain. Now, that's not to say that life can't be hard because it really can. But here's the deal. Joy is a choice. I think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 118 verse 24. He says, this is the white church. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us what? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Notice he didn't say yesterday was the, the day the Lord has made. That, that was a pretty good day. Or, or tomorrow is the day that the Lord will make. And, and so maybe that will be a good day. He says, no, today. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And so let, let us rejoice. Let's choose to have joy. And again, you might be saying, well, I hear what you're saying, Slate. That's just not me. That's not my gift. That's not my personality. I, I'm not an outgoing and chatty person. Listen, joy has nothing to do with your giftedness or your personality. In fact, some of the most joyful people that I know, some of the most friendly, some of the most kind, some of the most, you know, want to hang out people that, that I have ever met aren't the loudest and they're not even the most noticed people 
in the room. In fact, this week I just tried to, to think about, okay, when I think about joy, who, who do I think about? Who really comes to mind? And I thought of, of several of you, but the, the very first two that popped into my mind was Bill and Joyce Perkins. And, and Bill is, is very outgoing, okay, uh, but Joyce is pretty quiet. Now, Bill may tell a different story than that, but, but Joyce is, is pretty quiet. But, but let me tell you something, you can just tell she is full of joy. She's not the loudest person in the room, maybe even the most noticeable person in the room, but she is always wearing this beautiful smile on her face, so much so you just want to go up and hug her and squeeze her. Because she's just full of joy. And Bill is full of joy. And, and I think that if we were to ask them why they are the way they are, I think they would tell us that real joy comes from a relationship with the living God. And that's why they are the people they are today. I know that when I was in high school, 16 years old, I gave my life to Christ. It was actually 1 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. All I could think about was my past sins and being separated from God. And honestly, I can't remember what got me to that point. I don't know if it was a lesson that I'd heard or, or some circumstance that had taken place in my life. I, I don't remember, but I, I just remember at 1 o'clock in the morning just lying there miserable, wanting to have a relationship with Jesus. And so finally I got up out of bed and I went to my mom and dad's room and I woke up my dad and I told my dad what, what was going on and how I couldn't sleep. And he said, well, son, what do, you, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I said, do you think you could call Dale, who was our minister at the time, and do you think he could baptize me tonight? I mean, I, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. And he said, well, we can see. And, and so anyway, he calls Dale and tells like, absolutely. He said, I'll, I'll meet you down there in just a couple of minutes. And so at around 2 o'clock in the morning, I gave my life to Christ. And it was the greatest decision I ever made. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, all that old junk that you used to carry around from your past, it starts to get removed. And as we choose daily to die to our old self-will, our old self starts to die. It starts to slowly decompose. And when that happens, God starts to grow all kinds of good stuff in our lives. We read about that good stuff in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it doesn't matter what your personality is. And it, it doesn't matter how rough your past has been. That's the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in every single one of us. That's what Jesus meant by life. 
to the full. You know, one of the reasons why I love Central is because of the joy that I find here. I got to tell you, last Sunday night, I had the best time with Richard and Stephen and Don. We laughed and we cut up. Richard really laughed because of my first bowling score of 71. But then his laughter stopped when I beat him the second game, 150 to 137. And I told him I was going to bring that up this morning. But we just had, we just had a great time. Those, those guys, man, they're just they're full of joy, and it was just good to be around them. That's another reason why I love the small group that I'm in, because, man, we just we laugh and we have a good time. In fact, at our last small group, things got so rowdy, I said, okay, guys, I said, we got to start reeling this back in. But we were having a good time, and it was authentic. It wasn't fake. We were just enjoying being with each other, and it was awesome. Listen, I think that we ought to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. We ought to be some of the most appealing, the most pleasant, the most friendly people in our neighborhood, at work, at school, in every restaurant, in every drive-thru, every department store, in every checkout line, in every parking lot. If anybody has reason to be full of joy, it's us. Because we're the objects of God's relentless love. So rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. He goes on to say in verse 5, he says, Let your white church, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And the word that's used there in the Greek, literally means sweet reasonableness. In other words, joy-filled people are reasonable people. They're not irritable. They don't fly off the handle easy. They're not argumentative. They're, they're good listeners. Also, the Greek word that's used here was, for, was frequently used by ancient Greek writers to characterize a nurse who had the ability to calm people down. And man, people who radiate joy, they just seem to have that ability. They can relieve fears. They can make everything seem okay. They don't transfer uh, any type of stress to other people. They just they they have this sweet reasonableness about themselves. And again, all of that is rooted in the presence of Jesus in our lives. Look back at verse five. Paul says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all the what." The Lord is near. Notice what Paul says. He says, Jesus is with you right here, right now, every single day. So live in the awareness of His constant presence in your life. If you back up just a couple of verses, you see what happens when you don't. Because there's these, there's these two ladies in Philippi who can't get along with each other. 
He even calls them out by name. And basically what Paul tells them to do is stop it. Knock it off. And then he reminds them of this, verse 3. He reminds them that their names are written in the book of life. And let me tell you something, that alone ought to change the way we do life, right? I mentioned this Wednesday night in our Bible class, Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Jesus sent out His disciples... And and they came back, man, they were excited because they were doing miracles and they were casting out evil spirits. And this is what Jesus says to them. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That should bring us joy. To know that Our name is written in the book of life. In other words, our citizenship is already in heaven. And so what that means is when things fall apart here on this earth, guess guess what? We don't have to. Because this world's not our home, right? And so it doesn't matter if the economy goes south. It doesn't matter if the gas prices rise. It doesn't matter if there's the threat of war and and the use of nuclear weapons. It doesn't matter if if people are, are just difficult towards us. We can say, you know what? This life can be hard, but my name's written in the in the book of life. And the Lord is alive. And He's with me right now. And He's coming back someday and heaven is my real home anyway. When I was in Alabama, I used to garden and I'm going to have to hurry. I'm already out of time. I used to garden, but before I would plant my garden, I would have to prepare the soil. When a similar sense, joy grows in soil that has been cultivated by humility and then fertilized with gratitude. That's how it works. Now, just a few minutes ago, we looked at that list from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and, and you just go through the list, but you'll notice you don't see humility and you don't see gratitude. And it's like, why? I mean, these two things are so important. Why didn't these two things make the cut? Because these are two things that you and I, we do. These are things that we can choose to do that prepares the soil so that God can grow things like joy and love and peace and patience and kindness. All those things that are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 in us. That's our part. We come to God humble and grateful and then man, God grows some really good stuff in us. And there's so much more I want to say. But I'll close out with this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Paul says, always be what, church? Joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
So oftentimes people will ask me, they'll say, what is God's will for my life? Or I just wish I knew God's will for my life. Here you go. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's what? Will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's important for you and me as Christians to have joy. What are you known for? This morning we're going to offer an invitation. And if there's someone who needs prayers for anything going on in your life, we'd love to pray for you. Or you can take a piece of paper and you can leave it up at the cross. And our elders will pray over that. I'll pray over those things as well. Or if there's someone here this morning who wants to give their life to Jesus, let me tell you something. That's when joy really begins. The night I gave my life to Jesus, let me tell you something. That was the best sleep I'd had in years because I knew I gave my life to the one and the only one who could save me. And it may be that you need to give your life to Jesus today, putting Him on in baptism, having all your sins completely washed away. Whatever the case may be, whatever we can pray for you about or, or talk to you about, won't you come together we stand and sing?